This episode of Manage Smarter is presented by TeamKeeper, SalesFuel's data-driven program for improving team culture, communication, and retention. Learn more about TeamKeeper at TeamKeeper.com. Welcome to the Manage Smarter podcast with hosts C. Lee Smith and Audrey Strong. We're glad you're here for discussions on new ways to manage smarter, hire, develop, and retain talent, improve results, and propel team performance to new heights. This is the Manage Smarter podcast. Welcome to the Manage Smarter Podcast, everyone. I'm Audrey Strong, Director of Communications for SalesFuel. And I'm C. Lee Smith. I'm the President and CEO of SalesFuel. We're going to talk today about, here are the terms, ready? Incivility. How many of you are actively aware of incivility or the reverse, civility, leadership, organizational culture? Our guest today, Christine Porath. She's Associate Professor at the McDonough School of Business at Georgetown University and the author of Mastering Civility, a Manifesto for the Workplace. I was looking on Amazon, Christine, and one review said this is a must read for every leader in their field. ChristinePorath.com has more information. Christine, thank you for joining us today. What a privilege. Thanks for having me. Appreciate it. All right. So you start out with the one question that you said can determine every manager's because we're managed smarter. That's the name of the podcast, right? That will determine everybody's professional trajectory, right? Who do you want to be? Explain that. How'd you come up with that? Yes. Well, it really just a big picture question that is important to me, but I think it's very helpful in the moment when you're tempted to say something back mm-hmm. if you've been insulted or if you get a really nasty email or, you know, you're slighted in some way on social media. <laughs> so I think for me, it's also just a question to ask myself daily about how I want to respond to certain things, particularly negative things where I'm, I feel more challenged. Yeah, well, I think that that's really important because I don't, I, another great point I think that you made in the book was a lot of times managers maybe act out that way, not because they intend to be uncivil, but because they really aren't aware of the fact that they're being uncivil. So how can a manager really increase their awareness of their own incivility? Yeah, well, I think it's really important for them to try to get feedback. So, you know, one thing is a kind of a basic tool. There's a civility quiz on my website, and that's a starter for just kind of familiarizing yourself with what kind of behaviors are we talking about and how consistent am I at these things? Because we all have gaps Mm -hmm. in where we'd like to be and where we, you know, may be in our everyday life. So trying to get a sense of that on your own, but most of us have blind spots. And so I think for managers in particular, it's really key to ask ask people they work with and that work for them about, you know, what are a couple things that I could do to improve my influence or effectiveness or, you know, what rubs you the wrong way kind of thing. And, you know, to get feedback that way. Also, if you do get 360 feedback, part of your organization, that's usually helpful. People disclose information that you can use to make tweaks. But those are a couple things. The other kind of possibilities are reflect on, you know, when you're at your best and when you're not. And, you know, that can even be thinking about things like time of day. I'm a morning person, but late afternoon is when I do have to be careful, (laughs) more careful about getting those emails and responding well or being pushed kind of thing. So Mm -hmm. I think even that can be useful. Talk about how you define incivility because there's a lot of different definitions for them and go over those in the book, but also how they pertain to all these devices that we're carrying around these days as well. You should call e-civility, I believe it is. So how are you defining that for our managers? Well, when we ask about it, it's really, you know, does someone feel disrespected, treated rudely or insensitively? And the catch with it is it's all in the eyes of the beholder. So you may not 
feel like you did anything wrong, but someone may feel slighted or insulted or belittled in some way, feel like, you know, they're not valued or appreciated in your eyes. So that's where the the rub is, basically, is this, it's really all in the eyes of the beholder. And so that's why, again, asking others for their feedback is really helpful because managers will find out that, you know, you mentioned technology, but being on their iPhones or being on their laptops when someone's trying to have a conversation with them is really deflating. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And people see it as insensitive or disrespectful, even though the manager or leader had no intention of making a person feel bad. You know, they think they were just doing their job and trying to fight fires. So that kind of information can be useful to, to make subtle adjustments, you know, to try to make people feel more valued, to be more mindful in your interactions. So you did this study, and you're still ongoing, this your research into the effects of incivility and civility. In your TED Talk, which I encourage everybody to go to christineporath.com and watch this TED Talk that you gave, you rattled off some of the metrics, um, the size and scale of the study, and also the fact that it, it really did produce some results that related to productivity at work and ROI and different behaviors in people. So tell a little bit about the research in general, and then we can talk about what you found out. Okay, great. So started this research with Christine Pearson, who's now at Thunderbird. And she was really interested in, you know, kind of what are the effects of incivility. And so we, we surveyed broadly, you know, people working in all different kinds of industries, these were business school alumni, and asked them to report about one incident where they felt like they were treated rudely, disrespectfully, or insensitively. And so they wrote a few sentences about this and then answered a lot of questions, but mainly around how they responded. And what we found is that it really tended to deflate people. They were far less motivated, 66% cut back work efforts, 80% lost time worrying about the incident, 12% actually left the organization but usually did not report it. Mm-hmm. So what we found, and, and plenty of other you know, negative uh, behaviors, but what we really found out was it was hurting the bottom line in a variety of ways. Since then, we have been pushed to kind of document it objectively in experiments to compare people that experience incivility to those that don't to really show the performance losses. And so what we've been able to do is find out that people don't perform as well cognitively when they experience it. But even more so, this extends to witnesses is what we've learned since then. So similarly in experiments, they produce about 45% fewer ideas. They do roughly 30% worse on different performance tasks. And so what we've found since then is this is really a story of taking people off track. And not just if you're the one that experiences it, but if you're just working around it. I had a situation where I was checking into a hotel and the hotel manager came up to the lady working at the registration desk and was just really just giving her an earful or whatever. And I, I know exactly how what you're talking about because I really wanted to pick up my bags, turn around, walk out the door. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. I mean, what's really interesting about your example is that it it was between employees and yet it affected you. And we found that when customers see that, they're three times less likely to want to go back or support the brand. And so it really does affect the company, even if, you know, customers observe this. And so I think it's yet another impact on the bottom line for organizations. But it also affects the company culture because you talk about the fact that if you're a leader like our audiences, that some of them feel like being too nice means that they can't get ahead. Can you talk a little bit about that? Because that is a polar opposite. It's like you fight against yourself 
first right. guys finish last. And what'd you say? Um, jerks get ahead or something? How, whatever you want yeah. to call it, it's, it, it exists. <laughs> well, jerks get ahead in spite yeah. of themselves, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they fall up or something, right? Exactly. Well, it was really surprising to me because about 50% of people actually are afraid of being civil in the workplace because they feel like they may be taken advantage of or be hurt because they appear too nice. And that would reflect poorly on them in the sense of they would not be seen as leader-like. And I was hoping to kind of squash that (laughs) with research. And so, you know, we've done a variety of studies and always found that those that are perceived as civil are much more likely to be seen as leaders. And in this biotech firm, we found that people that are viewed as civil are twice as likely to be viewed as leaders and they perform significantly better than their peers, in part because people will seek information from them and share information with them. And, you know, they like them more, they're willing to work harder for them, things like that. But in every study, what we found, even very international samples, is those that are seen as civil actually do get ahead. And they're seen as both warm and competent, which is unusual because we like to bucket people Mm -hmm. as one or the other. And so civility really scores you wins in both. But where do you think that comes from, that the idea that to be mean to be a leader? I mean, where, where does that come from? I've, maybe it's a product of your environment and the way you were raised. I don't know. Yeah, I think the other thing is there are some outliers. So, you know, we see some business examples and, you know, I used to get asked about Steve Jobs a lot. And, you know, since then, there are leaders in all different arenas of life. And I think that we tend to fixate on some outliers, you know, that succeed despite their incivility. That's what Lee was talking about, right? Yeah, exactly. And there's some really compelling research by Morgan McCall and Michael Lombardo when they were at Center for Creative Leadership. They studied this for decades. And what they found was the number one reason for executive failure is an insensitive, abrasive, or bullying style. And the number three reason is aloofness or arrogance. And so really ties, I think, themes of what we're talking about with respect to incivility or just feeling like, you know, leaders insensitive, Mm -hmm. things like that. Talking about the research, you know, if you watch cable news or you watch Washington, D.C. lately, it seems like our (laughs) level of civility is actually getting worse, not getting better. Does the research bear that out? It does. So, you know, I'm due for another update, as you mentioned earlier when we talked. But absolutely, sadly, what we've seen is a rise over the last two decades. And people have encouraged me to track it, you know, since it just even the election, you know, I think that, you know, I'm not going to point fingers at parties and things like that. But definitely, I think was more polarizing and people feel like we're seeing more of it, certainly on the news, in social media, things like that. Afraid that it's becoming more the norm in some of those social media outlets. And so that primes us to behave that way. You said two decades, right? So that's mm-hmm. right around the time that the internet happened. And so is there a correlation that, between that and behaviors? Probably. I mean, I think technology does play a big role in this. Certainly it's easier with email, for example, it's easier to hide behind it. (laughs) You know, you don't have to face the person when you kind of uh, throw an insult or act rudely. And, you know, I think technology also makes it tougher because we don't have the nonverbals typically or the tone in many cases. That's correct, yeah. And as we've become more international, global, at least in the workplace, it, I think, is, again, that stuff becomes tougher. You know, some of us are much more direct in our email communication, as as Americans tend to be. Other, you know, countries, it's much more, you get into the pleasantries and so forth. And many of our emails would be seen as kind of cursed or rude. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the things, if you want to curtail incivility in the workplace, I would think that you have to be aware of it. You have to be able to call it out. Would you recommend that any worker in a company at any level call out incivility, or is that something that only the manager should do? Well, it's an, I don't think it's an either or. I think if you feel safe doing it, it's great. You know, I think that companies that have established norms for this or code of civility, things like that, it's much easier for people with, like, let's say, lower status to call out a leader since about two thirds of the time it does come from higher status people. Sadly, that's not always the case and people just don't feel safe doing so. They feel like it's, you know, taking a career risk. And in those cases, I think it's better to report it to a boss or to HR or things like that, particularly if there's a pattern of it. But it would be nice, and I've seen organizations that have established a code where people do speak up, and it becomes almost like we're helping each other, you know? Mm-hmm. So it's in a almost a positive spirit, and that's great because I think what we need is um, more of that because, as you mentioned earlier, most of us, it's not that we're intentionally a jerk. It's just that we're self-aware of how we're coming off. What kind of tips would you give to a manager then who, let's say, has had a subordinate who you know, has been openly rude or condescending, disrespectful then you know, to their boss even in front of other people? Or it could be you, know, you have two workers at the same level, if you will, being you know, mean to each other. And you know, how does a manager keep from participating in that or by responding in a equally disrespectful manner, that, that sort of thing? I mean, how do you do that? I mean, Yeah, I think it's important to have a conversation with the person in a one-on-one, not publicly, you know, not Mm. reciprocating, which is really hard in the moment, especially for someone that has more power and may feel even more upset (laughs) by the, the person's uncivil behavior. But I think, you know, to try to see yourself as a coach, I think is really important. So what you're trying to do is guide the person specifically on what they did, uh, and the impact that it had on you and or your team and or organization and really drill down into the you know, the, the specifics and ask questions if the person understands, you know, and ideally you're starting a dialogue. It's not that you're looking to get into the whys unless they're happy to reveal that. But I think what you're trying to point out is the consequences for the person and the potential benefits if they can correct this. In other words, you know, the person's probably not going to get in the hor- in- get ahead in the organization if they're like this repeatedly, but trying to coach them in as warm a way as possible, <laughs> that you care about them and how they do. And this would be an important part of their leadership development. So it could be in two forms. It could be a formal program that's actually tied into HR, correct? Or it can be we're self-policing, self-checking ourselves and a little bit less formal. Any recommendations based on company size, which way you should go or... Yeah, I mean, the nice thing is if you have the resources, uh, training has been shown to be effective. And I think mainly because it brings an awareness (laughs) to individuals because a lot of this stuff is basic. And yet I think we're not aware of of the effects of it and the potential benefits of really being mindful on how we're treating others. And so I think, you know, training can be really great. I think establishing a code of civility, which can be done on your own, particularly if you can get employees involved in establishing it, like literally. Who do they want to be? What norms or, you know, kind of rules do they want to live by? And then they can kind of self-police in the sense of, you know, trying to make sure that 
people are held accountable for that. So I think that that, that also tends to work well. Not everyone has the resources to do all of those things, but the code of civility, I mean, that doesn't take, takes a little time, but not a lot of resources. Well, give us an example of what, what some of the things that would be on that code of civility, because we recently launched one of our own here at, at this company, uh, inspired by your book. But I want to kind of have you share some of the things you think that should be in everybody's code of civility, or should they embark on that? One thing is, you know, being on time is one that's important to a lot of people saying please and thank you, um, uh, you know, always trying to respect one another, regardless, you know, treating each other fairly, almost regardless of status, being approachable, acknowledging the contribution of others, addressing incivility when it happens. Mm -hmm. Things as basic as saying please and thank you, acknowledging the impact of our behavior on others, uh, welcoming feedback from each other so that you encourage that. Absolutely no belittling uh, of a coworker. Right. I mean, yeah. ever. Yeah, you know, be direct, sensitive, and honest. Because I think one of the catches, and I get asked about this a lot, is, you know, you don't want to build a culture where people aren't giving feedback or aren't, you know, kind of coaching people as far as changes they should make. I think negative people are fearful of giving negative feedback. And that's not what we're talking about with civility. I think, you know, if you think about radical candor, they call it, mm -hmm. where you care personally, but you can still challenge directly. And I think part of that is if you've established a civil culture, it becomes much easier to have that dialogue. Because you have something to point to. Exactly. Yeah. And I think people are far less defensive too. Like if you've treated them well, or at least attempted to, you know, kind of, then and showed that you care in some way for the person, then it becomes much easier if that person gives you really you know, negative feedback and, you know, tries to help you work on that. And you're not suggesting that we're going to be perfect at this all the time because Lord knows I've looked back on some of some of the things that I've said to people over the years where I'd say, ah, you know, at the time or whatever, I felt justified and responding that way. But, you know, looking back now, that wasn't the, really the best approach I, I could have taken. Is that safe to say that we're just not going to be perfect at this all the time? Oh, absolutely. Yeah, it's more about, you know, just trying to improve our consistency. I think we all slip up. I think, uh, you know, trying to be aware of that and try to be aware of, you know, kind of what triggers you. <laughs> you know, I often will ask people that, you know, are there certain people, situations or circumstances where you can tell that you're uh, more likely to behave in a less than civil way? And we all have those. I was going to say, so. everybody has that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Pick a day, Christine, you know. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and I said, you know, I have even time of day, you know, but for most people, it's also when they feel stressed. So the number yeah. one reason that people say that they're uncivil is because they feel overwhelmed. And so I think even being mindful of that is a real trigger for people. You kind of try to catch yourself, you know, of sending that email, for example, or waiting it out, you know, and rereading the next morning. And you gave some great tips on when and when not to send email, like when you're angry or you feel like, you need, you need to get your two cents worth in or something like that. Uh, I, I thought that's some great tips in the book for people like that. Thanks. Uh, my brother actually developed that one. Um, so he <laughs> was very helpful in terms of the visual at least. But yeah, yeah. anytime you feel like the other person is stressed or you're stressed, if, if you think it's going to lead to anger, if it's negative feedback, if it's particularly, you know, crucial information or crucial feedback. But if you feel your stress rising as you're writing it, all of those things are, you know, reasons why we should probably use a richer form of communication if possible.
yeah, pick up the phone or go go to the person's office or what a concept yeah. instead of slacking or instant chatting, you know, yeah, yeah. don't slack angry. <laughs> yeah. Well, if you must do that, at least you know, pop on a video call, at least that way we can actually see each other's faces or intent yeah. or our tone and everything like that. And that makes things go a lot smoother because I see a lot of these things with technology where people, a lot of it is born of misunderstandings about how things are taken. And then that just fuels the fire. And, you know, you really shouldn't fight fire with fire. You should fight fire with water. Exactly. Yeah. And I think, you know, things like Zoom and Skype and other tools make it a lot easier nowadays, even for people's phones. So yeah, definitely. I hear somebody I can hear a listener right now thinking, no, Lee, because if it's a grease fire in a kitchen, you shouldn't use water. Okay, I, I get it. All right. <laughs> Oh, flower. Well, Christine, this has been great. I, everybody's got to go out and buy the book. Obviously, it's on Amazon. Um, is it for sale on your website as well? And where can people find you on social media? So people can find me at my website, christineporath.com, on Twitter at porathc, and on LinkedIn as well. So happy to connect with folks and work to make this, you know, a little bit more positive civil culture in society as a whole. We've it. set a low bar, Christine. So <laughs> yeah. to go oh this is true. This is true. Sadly. Oh, uh, well, thanks for an education in all things civil. We appreciate it. Yes. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Yeah. Thanks for coming. If you like the show, everybody listening, please share it with a friend, subscribe and give us a review. How could you give a bad review to Christine? Come on. She's, that would be uncivil. She's a morning person. Um, you can hear all the episodes and submit guest requests at our website, www.managesmarter.com. Thanks everyone. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed the show, please rate and recommend on iTunes, Overcast, or wherever you get your podcasts. You can also get more great information at salesfuel.com. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.